Welcome to This Is Social Work. I'm Matthew, Social Work England's Regional Engagement Lead for the North West of England. In this series, we're focusing on the professional standards, the six standards that social workers must know, understand and be able to do as part of their role. The professional standards are specialists to the social work profession and apply to social workers in all roles and settings across England. In this episode, we're focused on Standard 5. We discuss social media and how social workers can use it in a way that ensures we act safely, respectfully and with professional integrity. We're joined by Kayleigh Rose Evans, a social worker and best interest assessor from the North West, who's a bit of a famous face in the world of social media. Today, Kayleigh shares her own experiences of using social media as a social worker, outlines the benefits of its use and gives us an insight into how she meets Standard 5. She also reveals some of her top tips when it comes to using social media platforms responsibly and the line between personal and professional accounts online. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome Matthew and welcome Kaylee. So um, it would be really great Kaylee if you could introduce yourself and tell us a bit about yourself. Okay, well, uh, firstly, thank you for inviting me on the podcast. I'm really pleased to be asked. Um, I'm Kaylee, social worker in the northwest of England. Um, so I studied social work um, at BA level, but I carried on to study uh, after qualifying because I wanted to carry on to build up things like best interest assessments. And I'm now doing my practice educator training. And I have to say, like, continuing that has been really helpful for me and giving me a lot more confidence um, in practice. Um, alongside that, I've been doing various social media things like YouTube and um, quite active on Twitter. And it's really given me uh, a wide community so I'm going to talk a little bit more about that but I just wanted to set the scene and um, my practice um, before qualifying was with um, I, I volunteered a lot with children but then I ended up uh, working with adults and I've worked in various different roles which again I, I've been really fortunate to have a good career so far um, I've uh, worked in the hospital various hospitals in a rehabilitation centre uh, I worked on a new project uh, with district nurses in quite an impoverished area um, and we did some really good preventative work and now I'm working in a larger team of social workers so I feel that I've, I've had a really good insight into different areas of adult services. That's great and um, we're really looking forward to having a conversation with you today. So today's podcast is focused very much on Professional Standard 5 um, which is act safely, respectfully and with professional integrity. Um, for this po- podcast though we're going to focus on social media and how as social workers we can use social media in a way that ensures we act safely and respectfully and with professional integrity. Social media is increasingly a feature of how we communicate and through the course of the pandemic we've seen a social media play an important role in how communities remain connected, how social workers engage with children, families and people accessing support and care services, as well as how we connect with colleagues and friends. Whilst for some social media is a source of Uh, support and connectedness. For others, it's far from a safe space. As social workers who are part of a regulated profession, we also need to think about what we post online and think about the link between the personal and professional. And that's what we're going to talk a bit more about today. Matthew. Thanks, Philippa. Um, So Standard 5 is quite big. There's a lot of elements to Standard 5, but we're going to drill down into a couple of um, elements of Standard 5 just to sort of 
frame this discussion really about social media. So particularly uh, Standard 5.2 talks about, uh, as a social worker, I will not behave in a way that will bring into question my suitability to work as a social worker while at work or outside of work. And I think that opens up the discussion a little bit about social media and how can social workers use social media both in their role but how they use that in a you know um, personal setting as well um how best to navigate that how to do that um in the most appropriate way whilst maintaining those professional standards particularly 5.2 and that's essentially why we've got you here Kaylee, because i think you um are really active on social media and um are and are a frontline social worker and I think for some that might sound an unusual balance but really keen to hear how you do that really and how you best navigate some of the challenges that that might bring. Yeah so I I um, remember on my training a lot of what we were taught was around sort of the dangers of social media and what not to do which to be honest was really helpful because I think it opened people's eyes around you know the things to avoid Um, and I think by the end of the training people were a lot more aware of that and I have looked at research around it uh, because I'm doing a dissertation on the topic and I think that a lot of people acknowledge that that's needed. so I clo- I made everything a, a lot more secure on my personal accounts. Um, and I also thought about changing my name so that I wasn't easily found if I was working with people on, uh, as part of my placements. And then I've continued to do that as, as I've progressed. Um, and that's helped to keep my family safe, but also thinking about not sharing um, pictures that, uh, of things that might bring uh, the profession into retribute I think that's the right word isn't it um has been really helpful but then also um as I've continued to study um a lecturer actually recommended that I set up a professional account and set up a twitter page um as part of my learning and it's it's like opened up a whole new world to me um, and it's been absolutely brilliant for for me to be part of these communities And it's absolutely fascinating to see how people communicate on there. And I feel like a lot of the mainstream media out there about social work can sometimes be quite biased and it's a lot of the narratives are coming from elsewhere. But on here, there's a really diverse community of people with experience of going through services or um, people from advocacy, social work, and everyone coming together and having some really stimulating discussions. So I think being on uh, Twitter has been really positive. And then there's a lot more uh, sort of content out there for social workers beyond just like academic books. And I think it, it creates an environment where you can talk to the people that write those books and feel like they're not someone distant that they're actual people that are interested in making a difference and have spent a long time uh, working on uh, the literature. And I think for me, um, I sort of lacked a bit of confidence around myself academically, but um, more recently I've started to understand that everyone's just doing the best. And it's nice to, that these people are more human because they're interacting with you. You know, it's, it's, it's a really stimulating environment. So I find there's a lot of positives as well. And I suppose that's why I've become really interested in it because I, I want people to know that it's out there. Yeah. And I think those positives are really interesting. Aren't they? And I think I 
I'm relatively new to understanding the positives of social media, particularly in relation to social work, because I think when I was um, working in a local authority and as a sort of frontline social worker, I suppose, in different roles, I shied away completely from social media. I was not active on social media in a professional capacity, but really, personally, I, I, I wasn't really that involved in social media. It certainly wasn't talked about in my training. So throughout my training to be a social worker, so the three years I spent doing my BA, I don't think social media was really talked about it, but it was it was quite a while ago. So social media wasn't, I suppose, as big. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't the dark ages, but it was 2006 I started my training. So I suppose social media has progressed a lot since then, hasn't it? And I think... In terms of the positive content, I've seen a lot of that in this role because I joined Twitter as I started my regional engagement role. As I, we felt as a team of regional engagement leads, it was really important to have that visibility. But I think, and that has worked, I think that's been a real avenue for us to engage. I think Philippa would agree with that. But more than that, it's given me access to content that I suppose I would have struggled to find otherwise. It's quite a supportive community on Twitter, isn't there, about sharing different resources, getting access to different resources, or just understanding what's out there. I think my background's pretty much solely in adults and mainly with learning disability, and I think it's opened my eyes to lots of different practice areas that I think maybe would have been hidden if I hadn't have purposely gone out and searched for academic literature or books and things like that. So I think that accessibility, I think, is a really positive that I've found yeah, I mean, most people who know me, I'm a real advocate for Twitter. You know, I've been on it for quite a long time. I kind of was on it as a social worker. And then when I went to work for the safeguarding board, kind of managed the kind of board's Twitter account. Um, but for me, I would absolutely echo what you've been saying, Kaylee. It's kind of opened up my world. You know, I'm a social worker in the southwest, which is a little bit detached in, you know, from sort of what goes on in the bigger cities. And it's been able to give me that access to kind of academic research, to journals, to people with lived experiences, views, and the Twitter community, you know, there's a lot of negativity around social media, but actually my experience has generally been really positive and I've kind of managed to connect and engage with people and, and kind of, you know, learn so much about social work and what sort of current trends are, what people are thinking and feeling that it's actually been, you know, a really positive experience for me. You know, my background is children and families, you know, I kind of have had, I think there is that caution about, um, how we present ourselves on social media and that kind of should it be an anonymity or should you use your real name I mean I use a kind of mix of both it's not quite my full name but I mean you could easily you could find me if you needed to I'm not that anonymous um, but I think it's about how you kind of manage yourself you know and really kind of think think about what you put on and, and what you tweet about you don't have to necessarily tweet you could just use it for more kind of a following kind of sense but I found it really positive. And in this role, Matthew, I'd absolutely agree as a regional engagement lead, it's been a really helpful way to raise the profile of our roles of Social Work England. I know one of my concerns is that lots of social workers aren't on Twitter. So we have to be really mindful that it's not an echo chamber for us, you know, and that there, there is other mediums out there. But Twitter in particular, I've, I've found has been a really positive experience for me. I think it's. I think for me that it's sort of, and I'm similar. Philip, lots of my background's really in 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 Cumbria, which is a small part of the northwest. And I think 
I was really conscious coming into this role that there's much more out there in terms of social work. And I think just opening those those doors and opening my eyes a little bit to that national picture and what's going on in different areas, I think is is such a it's such a positive thing that I've found, particularly in this role. But it's interesting to hear that from your perspective as well, Curly. Yeah, I think um it's I mean it's quite amazing, isn't it, how you can connect with people. Like obviously you got in touch with me via Twitter and it's like I wouldn't have come across you very easily like any other way. And it's like you you know what I'm interested in and then you can directly speak to someone in line with those interests. And I think that gives social workers a lot of opportunities because it's a like it's very niche isn't it that the interests that people may have but then you could find lots of other people with that exact interest and then that's really encouraging for you and then you might develop that interest further and I think even the wider scope of like uh, knowing what jobs are out there for social work is really interesting you know when you see it in people's bios could you just you wouldn't know and I think like on it, it helps you think about social work on more of a macro level than what you're just doing uh, as face-to-face because I I enjoy the impact you can have but it helps you to engage more with wider like social work drives around promoting social justice and human rights because it's like uh, you know with the Black Lives Matter I put out a video talking to someone about her experiences and the next thing I know me and her have been asked to go on Siobhan McLean's video you know talking about it which then had a global thing because there was people from all over the world on there and it's like you you really and then you're like an ally in it and and you understand and you're learning but it's also you're having conversations and it's not just the people that you would meet within your geographical area you it's it's uh, quite amazing and I think it's only going to grow really. Obviously uh, under standard five we've also got standard 5.6 which is as a social worker I will not use technology, social media or other forms of electric um, communication unlawfully, unethically or in a way that will bring the profession into disrepute. That's like quite a kind of you know um, intimidating I think kind of statement really in many ways it's very kind of really thinking about that unlawfully kind of unethically kind of sort of driver I suppose I'd like to turn it on its head a little bit because I think for me my experience of social media has been really positive but we have um, as the regulator in terms of fitness to practice you know we do see um, examples where social media has brought someone's um, someone's fitness to practice into question Um, And I suppose what we want to kind of unpick on this podcast really is more about how can social workers ensure that that they're using social media ethically, um, Kaylee? What what would be your take on that as someone who is not only active on Twitter, but also I'm thinking about the work you do through your YouTube, which is much more kind of visible and kind of out there really in some of the um, messages that you're saying? Yeah, so definitely uh, the YouTube is very visible and I think... That took a lot of planning before I even started. So I, I did spend um, over a year just on Twitter getting an idea of, um, well, I, I suppose taking more of a bystander approach, which I know a lot of people that advise about social media and social work advise that you do that to pick up what other people are doing and sort of uh, become ingrained in that a little bit so that you get an idea of the boundaries of things. Because I think that alongside um sort of the skills that you gain from social work itself like we are everything that we do we have to think about ethics and I think that that does transfer over so I know that I'm not going to be sharing confidential details and and even down to like little things that I'm saying I'm like really thinking 
does this draw anything back to giving a detail away? Because even vague examples, you, you can give it away because people can figure out what area you're from. Like even my voice would give away that I'm from the northwest of England, you know. And, and uh, so I'm just really careful with that. And I suppose it's about like use of self. So a lot of what I do, um, I'm talking about my experience as a social worker and uh, what I've developed from that and how I can help other social workers. And I use some examples of practice um, because I want it to be really relevant, but it's not really of specific cases. Uh, so that helps me to, to really navigate what I'm doing. Um, and it gives me the confidence to know that I'm not sharing anything I shouldn't be. And I think um, I really like social pedagogy because I think they have it really well in terms of the balance between being professional and having integrity, but also bringing a bit of who you are as a person and your personality. And I think that that's really guided me uh, through what I share on social media. So um, in terms of the three Ps, um, the, one of them is uh, your professional self. Um, and that's about having a purpose for what you're doing. So I'm aware of the legislation around what I can share, what I can't share, because I, I'm checking things with my organisation, like the guidance and wider things. Um, and that so every time I'm posting something, I'm thinking, well, why am I posting this? Like, what's my purpose for it? As opposed to just doing it because I'm having a bad day and I just you know I just want to share something like I always share things usually because I'm trying to be positive online and um, when I feel positive in myself you know and and it's crafted it's not just like I've had an emotion reaction I'm going to share something and I think that's where some of the problems can come um, when people are just doing it too quickly um, and I think that social media the way that it is so quick can make you feel like you need to be share it all the time or it, it can become like um, an extension of your private life um, and that's sort of part of the three P's isn't it around like your personal so I can share a bit about myself but I'm not going into that private part where I'm sharing like my inner like too much of my inner negative thoughts like I'm trying to think of it um, all what more well-rounded than that so I think there's some of the key things that I think about. I've watched quite a bit of your YouTube. I, I binge watch it cringeworthily when we started to talk about how we were going to do this podcast and then we started to um, watch a lot of your content. And I thought thought of myself and put myself in the position of when I was a student. And I think I would have really got a lot of value out of that type of content, just hearing someone who's gone through exactly the same um, situation as me and the same training as me and come out the other side and you talk a lot about the, the sort of interview prep that you do don't you and the, you talk a lot about that sort of reflection when you maybe didn't get a job that you went in for and how you then prepared for the next interview and I think that type of content just simply wasn't available when I was trained to be a social worker and I think that um, thinking of, of students and the type of the way that uh, content is now out there, I think, I think is is really valuable, um, and that's a big takeaway for me when I started to watch some of your content. Clearly, is that what you're putting out there? I think offers real value to the sector and to the profession, and I think that is such a positive use of of, of social media for grouping it all into that term. Well, that's a massive compliment to me. I'm really chuffed about that because um, that is what I'm trying to do. I just think, you know, there's a, there's 
everyone has their value don't they like from an academic side like it's really useful and and it's like I just think that social workers can use this platform to to add that perspective and we can all sort of work together and I think being on social media helps you to realize how everyone fits together so well Um, and it's just about connecting and getting it out there and I have to say like I, I have been really supported by a lot of different people and it's been quite it really inspires you to carry on and um, I've met some amazing people just from putting stuff out and then people will send me questions and then it makes me think it really makes me reflect I suppose a little bit like when you're a practice educator and it makes you think oh I struggled with that then what can I say now you know based on my experience so that's why I recommend like more social workers do it if they can you know if they have the confidence because it's building something useful for people. Yeah, and I think just having content out there for social workers in this form, it, it's how everyone absorbs information nowadays, isn't it? I think there's a, there's a YouTube's huge, and I think you can go and search on YouTube and solve lots of problems. And I think it's, it's a really useful platform for people. And we were really keen on the back of Social Work Week to use all those recorded sessions and get them on Social Work England's YouTube channel. Because that type of content was gold dust. There were some brilliant sessions across Social Work Week, and we know that there was a limit to the amount of people that could attend them. But I think just having a platform available to us like YouTube where that content can sit and, and people can revisit and watch and, and absorb that content in, in their own time, I think is really, really valuable. And the same, that was the thinking behind this podcast. We really wanted to start producing content. The idea behind this whole podcast was to sort of bring the professional standards to life a little bit for social workers and that's sort of shaped all the conversations, I suppose. But I think using it in that positive way to support the profession and the sector, I think has to be has to be um, something that we can all start to do. And I think, um, yeah, I've seen an increase in what's out there over the last year or so. Yeah, and I think it with what you're doing, it like it, it does address a little bit of a power imbalance, doesn't it? Because sometimes you worry, you know, they're like you older oh, the regulator, they only get involved when you've done something wrong. Um, but actually it's like, no, you like you want to build the profession and like you, you want to be a positive influence. And I think the fact that you are including social workers in this is really remarkable and shows that you are you know trying to do that and I think it's a really positive sign for people so I think people should be really encouraged by what you're doing it's clear that you um you know you are social expert background doing doing good stuff out there so Katie um did you have any um any barriers or any challenges um, perhaps maybe from your employer or your peers or people you know when you talk when you kind of began to sort of start your kind of social media profile really sort of YouTube and kind of Twitter was there any kind of how did you navigate that were there any issues that arose from that oh right yeah so um in terms of my social media I've always been quite careful so um I did have to talk to uh, the head of service in the council about um filling a form in to express what I was doing and explaining it to her and and I think like there is a perception around social media that's like quite scary to a lot of people and I think I could tell by her initial reaction um, that that's how she felt but then actually she's been a massive support of what I was doing then when she understood it and then she sent me out to speak to to well Siobhan McLean and she said go and meet her and see what she's doing because she's a really good one around social work so then I went and met her and that's sort of where it started but I think 
knowing that I had that backing was really important to me because it's never worth anything if you're going to lose your job is it like I want to do practices like that's who I am and like what I'm doing and it's um and I think it just gave me that security and the other thing that she advised me to do was to read uh, the sort of um, the guidance that the council had from the communications team which uh, helped me to know what I was doing uh, was okay and uh, check it out and then if I ever include anyone um, in it like my first video included someone from the McIntyre charity and I was interviewing someone um, and he was brilliant on it but I did like a consent form just to make sure that everything was sorted that way so I think it's just about thinking about those things uh, to make sure that everything's okay and every year I just have to update uh, the external interest for you know to make sure that people know that what I'm doing um, and and let them know that I have a presence on social media. Brilliant. I mean, it's great that that's kind of been really embraced by your organisation. I think sort of, you know, a lot of people kind of sort of worry about that interface, don't they, between that kind of professional and that personal. And, and some people will very much just have, you know, maybe a social media account that's what they do for personal would never kind of, you know, post. Because I think people have that anxiety and they worry, don't they? We know that you know, communicating online. I think you talked a little bit about that, about I think really um, helpful to hear you talk about the social pedagogy and the three Ps and really thinking about that professional self and kind of thinking about not sort of posting something in haste or kind of it being that reactive kind of response because the worry is we may say things kind of in haste sometimes, but it's not then always kind of in print forever on a social media site. So it's really a social worker's we often, we, you know, that, that caution is probably right, that we think about that, that actually what we may post can be seen by anybody and everybody, you know, and sometimes that's what happens when things get referred to the regulator, you know, things have been said and kind of someone else has, may have picked up on that. We need to think about how the members of the public may perceive a social worker and how that may be seen by others in the sense that we may feel we've put it in our on our personal account but if someone knows that we're a social worker they may you know we in fitness to practice we have a public interest kind of public protection kind of emphasis so we may investigate under those criteria of is this in the public interest is this about public protection so that's where um, referrals to us can tip over into fitness to practice because you know a public may say well I can't believe a, a social worker who's a professional has made that has got that view or, or, or said that so it is about thinking about that how um how do you how have you kind of found kind of you know other people's responses to you like your peers how's that how does that fit in terms of how, who you work with and you've done some really great interviews with people on your YouTube channel but how do they respond to it so I think just um, picking up on another point you made, I think generally some people will say to me, I can't believe that you had to go to all those lengths, you know, to check, because why shouldn't you be able to just go out and do what you want um, in your personal time? And it's like, well, even in your personal, like even in your personal time, if you're having a public presence of any kind, whether it's online or in rea- or in person, um, you are still... a a professional and you still have to be under those standards and make sure your behavior is always like that you're showing integrity so I think it's just being aware of that that and I think something that's been key for me is having a separate account for uh, my personal account and for my professional account because 
booked um if you are like joining groups and things um and you have your personal account like all those people in that group then could possibly look at who all of your friends and family are or even if you think that it's protected sometimes that information can be available to look at so I think keeping a really clear boundary between the two is something that I've increasingly found is important so in terms of um what people around me have thought. I think it's been really good for me to have built my connections on Twitter first, because then when I went out on YouTube, I was sharing it with those Twitter people that were all social workers, as opposed to my actual like friends that aren't social workers, just feeling like I was spamming them, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> uh, that's sometimes how it can feel, cards it went. Uh, and, and I think it's like knowing that people are interested in what I'm saying. And then you, you sort of get a communication uh, going with people who are interested in that. And that's really helped me. So, um, but in terms of people in, in the council, I talk about it if they're interested, but I'm not like ramming it down everyone's throats. So I'm like, you know, on YouTube um, doing all of this. So I think it helps people that are going for like um, interviews or like if they're interested in these things and and um, people are quite interested, you know, once they see what, what's going on, so. It's really interesting isn't it? because I think one of the issues is that we know that lots of social workers don't use Twitter. I mean, when I was in practice, you know, I was a team manager and I'm I'm not sure any of my team were on Twitter or on social media. I mean, I'm a real fan and a lot of them would use maybe other forms of social media. So Facebook or um, I know, you know, Instagram is kind of increasingly having a presence, isn't it? I mean, do you do you use any and LinkedIn? I mean, I'd never been on LinkedIn until I joined Social Work England. It was not something I was part of. I mean, are there any other are there kind of some some social media platforms that you do use and some that you don't or 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 you you kind of you know venturing further afield yeah so I am venturing a bit now because what you find is like with with YouTube because there's not as many social workers on there uh, that looking for content because there isn't a massive amount of content on there um, I don't think people directly know to search there yet um, so I have to use like other platforms to feed people to my videos because otherwise you can end up putting a lot of time in something and think it's useful but no one knows it's there so um, I use quite a lot of them now LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram and I think because I'm interested in it I kind of want to know how they all work and I also find that people um, talk differently on different platforms. So I find that like having an Instagram account is good because people feel quite comfortable to send me like a direct message, whereas they wouldn't feel confident to send me a direct post on Twitter. And on Twitter, you can't send a direct message unless they're following you already. So it's like, I think um, for me, I felt initially like Twitter was only for really, really smart people. <laughs> And I thought I didn't belong there. <laughs> but then um, I ended up uh, being on there and realising that everyone was quite normal and it's fine. Um, I think one of the things with Twitter that can be problematic is I, I think that sometimes people um, have a really strong opinion about one thing and then can sometimes um, critique what people are saying just based on that one viewpoint without looking at the whole picture. And I think sometimes that can cause issues on there and cause conflict. Um, and I think it's just about figuring out like the nature of what happens on each one and building up uh, what you want to see. Cause um, Boyd and Ellison like call it a bounded system. And it's, it's like, you're creating a space that you want to see. It's kind of like, 
uh, you have control over the news that you want to consume. And I think that's the power of it because you can choose. And I think people are wanting to take more control over what they are reading and what they're consuming day to day because it is important. And I think if I see things that are really negative and I don't want to see it, I'm just not going to look and not follow it. And I think that's how over time you can build up a really good thing. But I think for some people, if they were starting out, it'd be hard to know who to follow. Like it's like a blank slate. So something I was thinking of doing is just putting a sheet together about good people to follow, you know, maybe for people starting out. So, but yeah, what what's your thoughts? I've just been thinking now as you were talking really about, um, I think it's really important about that time balance and just what popped into my head is that sometimes social media can be that 24-hour People think everyone's contactable over those 24 hours, seven day weeks and, and contacting you about of work related matters and things like that. I think there's a balance there to find. And I'm just keen to get your thoughts on it, really, Kelly. You weren't prepped for this question. I've just thought of it as we were talking. So apologies for that. But how do you how do you find the time? How do you find that balance between obviously you've got an incredibly busy day job and then you've got all these platforms that you're managing and all those how do you do that? Yeah, so that is actually a real challenge that I'm currently like working on. But also, um, I had a little bit of coaching from someone that was a social work lecturer um, that really helped me to think about like my boundaries and being intentional about what I was doing. Because um, it got to the point when I was first out uh, doing this that I was being asked to speak to different people and my entire evenings were just like back, back to back blocked up with like meetings in the evenings and then you it can really take away from your energy and I think that is something um, that you have to be aware of um, and something that you you just figure out along the way so I wouldn't say I've got it perfectly and I think it's like as well uh, you have to be careful of what you're responding to in the working day so I tend to just keep it to I might respond to a couple of things at lunchtime but I wouldn't want to be seen to be replying to things on a public platform all through the day because that would look bad to your employer obviously and everything's time stamped so if anyone ever had a concern about that they could look back and see that you've done that and I think they're just things that talked about in the research and uh, and some of the things that you read around the ethics and and the professional um, issues Um, and I think there's no solid answer it's like a gray area because I suppose like it is like you're reflecting on your learning it is part of your social work day to be learning but then also um, you need to have a clear balance and so I think in terms of me I'm I think it's like helpful to talk to other people who are on social media to find out how they've managed it. Um, In terms of like the messages that I get, sometimes I've just had to realise that um, it might make you feel like you have to respond straight away, but you have to stop yourself from feeling like you have to, because sometimes that can happen. and, And I think it's just about like blocking out set time to respond. Um, And I think that's something that you develop. It's like a new skill. Yeah, and I think having those boundaries is very important, but recognising where them boundaries need to sit because it's really important that you note there that you don't comment uh, or aren't as active through the day on your social media. Whereas for me, that's the complete opposite because my Twitter is work-based. It's only about my my role as a regional engagement lead. 
I'm only active through the day on it. I'm and Philippa knows me very well. I'm very boundaried. I switch everything off on a night. So when I'm at home with family, I don't look at Twitter. Weekends, I don't look at Twitter. Um, but understanding where your boundaries need to sit, I think is is individual to everyone, isn't it? But really important to get right. Yeah, and I genuinely would be really interested to speak to someone who could tell me if that is allowed, you know, if I am replying to things, because I, I read something and it said not to, and I thought, well, I, I'm going to be really careful <laughs> about that now. But yeah, it is individual. And I think that brings back to one of those challenges, isn't it, around social media and, and how that feeds into us us meeting standard five, really, isn't it? Is that there's some black and white and clear what you shouldn't be doing, what you should be doing. You do need to think about as a reg- as a registered social worker, you know, you're right, that professional personal personal kind of link that how that could be perceived. But there are some things that there isn't clear kind of um guidance or 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 sort of information about what we should or shouldn't be doing you know and um, Matthew and I have that conversation quite a lot even as regional engagement leads you know we work for the regulator and do we need to think about you know at times we have to think about what I may want to comment on or what I may like you know and it's kind of that kind of you know I absolutely believe you know about social work and promoting social justice and being you know political but obviously I still have to be mindful that I work for um, the the social work England, which is the regulator of social workers, so there's a challenge there all the time, isn't there? In terms of um, sort of sort of bringing it to kind of a close, really, Katie. I mean, it's been really really lovely to talk to you today and kind of hear about your journey across social media and hear about how you've used it in a really positive way to kind of. I think, you know, improve, you know, address practice and to support the profession, to to support the sector, the work that you've done around sort of newly qualified social workers and students. I think, you know, um, your videos, if anyone wants to check them out, they're on YouTube and and I would really recommend them. But in terms of um, any kind of sort of pointers or kind of top tips that you would have to, to give to those who might be listening today. Yeah, so um, I was going to say that Claudia Miguel and Dr. Buzzy have a really helpful book that's just out about social media and social work. And I hope I pronounced the names right, but I do follow what they say. They have some interesting things that are out on um, online all the time. Um, and I think it's just about doing what feels right for you. So um, not feeling like, oh, everyone else is doing it, so I need to. You know, if, if you want to make some content, do that if it feels right. But it's not like a, it's not your job. So do something that brings you joy. And I think if you are creating content, plan it in a way that's like actually in line with what's really important to you, because that's how you find the community of people that you want. Like I've been really fortunate to have taken that time to plan. And now the people that are getting in touch with me really align with what's important to me and genuine people. And I really appreciate that. It's really um, makes everything worthwhile to me now uh, even though it's it's extra work it's like it it gives me more than it takes I'd say I'm gonna ask you for a top tip Matthew have you got a top tip I have got a top tip and I've been thinking about it as we've been talking but I think uh, for me my top tip is that there's some really brilliant content out there and I think that is beneficial now for the stage that I'm at and the role that I'm in in my social work career but that content would have been beneficial at all stages of my social work career. So thinking back to when I was thinking about being a social worker, if I could have gone out and watched videos about social workers and what they were doing and what that looked like, that would have really helped. Being a student, that would have absolutely helped. Lots of content out there would have really helped me. 
and uh, newly qualified and all the different roles that I went I went into. I think absorbing content is is something I get a lot out of. It's not all social work related. I watch a lot of football rubbish and all sorts of nonsense. But um, I think there's lots of beneficial content out there is what I would think. Use social media to absorb content and develop. Apart your continuing professional development, there's lots out there to absorb and learn from. Brilliant. Uh, my top tip mainly is more about, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I think you both say there's lots of real positives about social media. I think it's important that we do have some caution around it because, you know, there can be some negativity and it can also be not always um, positive for everybody. But I think, you know, I would encourage any social worker to kind of, even if it's just, you know, not actively posting to kind of use it as a way of making connections and that networking. I think that's the real positive. And I think if you're worrying about what you then may post, then maybe you don't post it. Because if that's coming into your head, then maybe you don't. And never post, like you said earlier, Kaylee, never post in haste or in that kind of reactive way. Because that's when, if it's already out there, you know, even if you delete it, someone might have taken a screenshot and and saved it. So I think if you're having second thoughts, don't post that. But do not, you know, I think I've seen nothing but benefit of being on social media. And I think there's lots of real kind of positives to be taken away from it. Any last thoughts from you, Kaylee? Yeah, I just wanted to add to your point because I thought that was really helpful about not just putting stuff out. You can always write things up on in drafts somewhere and keep things. Um, sometimes I'll do a video and get rid of it, but sometimes I'll think, oh, actually, that's really good, and I'll put it out or uh, collect things as I'm thinking about them, and then I'll craft it later. You know, keep it, get a really good organization system, like using an Evernote or something, and then you can put things out later when you've got more time to think. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Thanks again to Kaylee for joining us today and sharing her knowledge and personal experiences of the use of social media as a source of support and connectedness. If you enjoyed the discussion and would like to continue the conversation with us, you can follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn using the hashtag ThisIsSocialWorkPod to share your thoughts. You can also find out more about the professional standards on our website. Join us for our next episode where we'll be talking about Standard 6 with a focus on promoting ethical practice and reporting concerns. Thanks again and see you soon.